Well, good morning. Comedian Rita Rudner, she said, I love being married. It is so great to find that one special person that you can annoy for the rest of your life. (laughs) I'm not sure that I have ever identified so strongly with a quote in my entire life. And Chrissy would proudly attest that I do every single day my best to drive her crazy. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm sure, mostly sure, uh, that she would say the same thing too. Uh, Each month this year, we're going to press the pause button on the series that we're in. And we're going to have an Empowered Homes Sunday where we look at our lives, our homes, our relationships But more than that, we're going to be looking at some of the rich doctrine and of some very familiar topics that we talk about a lot. Marriage, parenting, singleness, strongholds, and and so many more. And as you may have guessed, uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at the reason that marriage matters. And folks, there are some foundational principles uh, that we're going to get into uh, to marriage, but they, they have a major impact on all of us, on the church, on the individual, on the families, on every single one of us. We're going to see that that we primarily understand more about who God is and what he does and how he loves by what is seen in our marriage. And so we're primarily going to be in Ephesians 5 this morning. You can start making your way there now. But as you turn, I want to mention that not everyone should get married. We may have some single folks with us today. We may have some, some long-term single folks um, who have just said, you know what, that's not for me. And I want you to know uh, that uh, even the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, he says it is better for you to remain single for the sake of the gospel, for the advancement of the gospel moving forward. Singleness is a great option. It's not a curse to bear. So I just want to set the record straight. And, and we're going to see this morning that every single one of us can understand more about the love of God by looking at his design for marriage. Whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whether you're single, whether you're a kid, we can all learn something about God's love as we dig into how he designed marriage. So folks, marriage matters. It is the cornerstone of of home life. Every one of us have been impacted by marriage. And you may say, well, my parents never married. Well, that's made an impact on you. The lack of marriage has has impacted you in one way or another. You see, marriage is a picture of how God loves us. And we see that from the very beginning in Genesis. We see that marriage is a gift from God. Marriage is a gift from God. Genesis 1, it reveals that people are created in the image of God. We're unique among the rest of creation. He says in Genesis 1:27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. This means, folks, that we have been given the privilege to reflect God's nature and his likeness. For example, since God is faithful, as people, we have the capacity for faithfulness. Because God is loving as people, we can also be loving. The same is true for his attributes of righteousness and grace 
and so many more. And while some of these characteristics, they can be seen in the other relationships in our life, they are best and most clearly seen in our marriage. Look at how it all began. Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man, he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. So God creates Adam. He places him in a beautiful garden. He gives him rivers to explore, trees to climb, animals to watch, all the food he could eat. This sounds like one of the best man caves ever created, right? I'm sure there was like an 80-inch plasma where he was going to watch the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. That's what Adam, that's what Adam had. I had to drop that in there, sorry. Uh, he had that at his disposal, But even with the adventure, the purpose, the food and the freedom, something was missing because there was a loneliness. If we read down to verse 18, it said, then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. And then verse 22, then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. You see, Adam needed a helper. He needed a partner. It wasn't good for him to be alone any longer. But Adam and Eve, they were both made in the image of God. And they were given the gift of a life together. Consider God for just a moment. You see, there is perfect unity in the Trinity and the Father and the Son and the Spirit. They are one and the same, but they are also complementary to each other and they are also different. When Eve was created, Adam was complimented. He was given the gift of community, the gift of friendship, the gift of connection. Love and marriage is more than just passionate affection. I believe that we've traded in the biblical definition of love for a pursuit of passion and gratification. And that's just not God's design. Is it great to have passion in marriage? Of course. And I hope that you do. But the idea that if there isn't a burning passion for that person that you wake up to every single day somehow means that your marriage is doomed or that you've married the wrong person, that's, that's crazy. There is no perfect person, which means there cannot be a perfect marriage. In fact, just let me set the record straight. If you're married, or if, if you want to be married, you need to understand that that person is so bad, is so messed up, that Jesus had to die for them. All right, that's, that is the depth of how bad that person that you love and you think they're great and you want to marry, they're so messed up that Jesus had to die for them. Folks, marriage is God's gift to you. It is divinely designed to be the closest earthly relationship that you're going to have. It was created for a husband and a wife to complement each other, to commit to each other, and to display the character of God to those around them. The point of marriage is not to make you happy by finding the perfect romance, but the point of marriage is to make you holy by teaching you how to love like Jesus.
the gift that God gives us in marriage is another way to just display his image. In fact, Paul comes back to this idea at the beginning of Ephesians 5. Look at Ephesians 5.1. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Now, this chapter, Ephesians 5, it's all about our lives, how our lives as believers should display the character and the image of God. Paul reminds us that we need to be imitating him in our personal lives. But then as we read down, he moves into how that affects and impacts our marriages. And he shows us that we have a great privilege and purpose in our marriages. You see, not only is marriage a gift from God, but also marriage is all about servant leadership. Marriage is all about servant leadership. So let's just dive right in to the most controversial part of this passage. Ephesians 5, 22, please don't get up and leave. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. This is by far and it's not even close, my favorite passage to walk through in premarital counseling. I love walking through this uh, with young, passionate, in love people. It is fantastic. In fact, years ago, there was a young couple, they were coming to our house for counseling, uh, and this is where we start. Um, we don't talk about communication or money or anything. We talk about uh, Ephesians 5.22 right out of the gate. Uh, and so uh, we sat down, we had dinner, we prayed, and we opened the Bible, and we read these verses. And I barely got finished with verse 23. And this young lady, uh, very agitated, she sits straight up on the couch. And she, and she says, we are equals in this relationship. And I will not be submitting to him just because he's a man. And I was like, all right, here we go. Um, so this is, a, this is a very common idea today. And folks, you know, we can, we can laugh and we can joke, but, but we must be very careful to see this concept through the lens of God's plan and not simply see it in all the ways that, that leadership and submission have been abused over the years because it has been. So we have to be very careful that we understand the purpose of these words and how that shows a picture of the gospel, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But what we help this young woman understand and what I hope will be clear today is that this passage does not put a greater value on men than it does on women. But what it does is it, it puts an expectation and responsibility on both parties. At the core, the foundation for both men and women in marriage is the same. The foundation is humble service. And to really understand this, we got to go up a few verses. We got to backtrack just a touch to Ephesians 5.18. It says this, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Do you see, folks, there's a mutual submission that is supposed to happen. To be clear, men and women are both created in the image of God. We are equal in value. We are equally loved. We are equally gifted, equally called, equally equipped for the advancement of the gospel to people who need to know who God is. However, we were created to complement each other, to work in different ways and to hold different roles. And as we are filled by the Holy Spirit, we are to submit to one another in the roles that we were designed to fill. So ladies, in marriage, your primary role is to love and support your husband. Why? Because this is a picture of the church submitting to the leadership of Jesus. Read verse 23 with me again. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is a savior of the body. But if we keep reading, we see that the expectation for you men is pretty significant as well. Jump down to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Man, these verses, they set the bar unimaginably high for you and for me. The call of the husband is to love his wife the way that Christ loved the church. And as we know, Jesus was the only perfect man uh, that ever lived. And yet he sacrificed everything. He stepped out of heaven. He stepped out of perfect unity with the Father. He came to this place and was insulted. He was beaten and he ultimately was killed for us to glorify God the Father. He gave everything. And men, that is the charge that you have as a husband. Not that you're gonna be perfect like Jesus because that's a standard that none of us can meet but that you will always lead and you will always pursue your wife with that kind of humility and that level of service and sacrifice. You know, many people don't like the idea of submission because they're afraid that they're gonna be taken advantage of. And that's a real fear. I don't wanna minimize that fear, but that's not how our marriages should be characterized. And that's not what we see in our scripture. You see, as the wife submits to the husband, the husband is to be in full submission to the Lord. And because of his submission to the Lord, he then should turn and serve sacrificially his wife. It's a beautiful circle. There is no coercion. There is no manipulation just two people humbly serving each other as they passionately follow the Lord. I heard a story a couple, about a couple who made it to their 50th anniversary. Is anybody 50 years married in here? We'll, we'll get there. They <laughs> um, made it to their 50-year anniversary. And so their pastor just asked me, he said, hey, there's got to be a secret. What's the secret uh, to 50 years of marital bliss? 
And so the man spoke up. He said, it actually goes back to a trip that we took on our honeymoon. And so the man starts telling this story. And so here's what he said. Uh, He said, uh, we went to the Grand Canyon and we were riding uh, on mules to the bottom of the canyon. And as my wife was riding in front of me, I was just watching and admiring her go. But then I noticed her mule stumble. And she firmly but calmly hit the mule and said, that's once. (laughs) So we we kept going. We're making our way down and the mule stumbles again. And again, the man, I'm talking like I'm him. He's watching and, and the mule stumbles. And so she firmly but calmly says, that's twice. So they stayed on their way. And then a third time, the mule stumbles. And as I'm watching this happen, the wife reaches into her bag, pulls out a gun, and drops dead the mule. And horrified, the man, he says, what is happening? We can't stand for this kind of treatment of an animal. And the wife turns and firmly says, that's once. Threats and force, they, they don't really work in marriage. There, like I said, there is no coercion. There is no manipulation. There should not be fear at the core of who we are. Because you see, the secret to a long-standing, happy, fulfilling marriage, it's not complicated. The key is humility. The key is service. The key is servant leadership. Folks, when our marriages are built on sacrificial love, we are displaying the love of God to anyone who is watching. And even more than that, we are communicating by our words and our actions just how incredible our spouse really is. Men, if you want a happy marriage, you must first fully submit to the Lord. And then you're in position to sacrificially love, serve, and lead your wife and your family. Submission is not forced. That's not what the Bible is teaching us here. And and leadership must be earned. But friends, this is God's plan for your marriage. Jesus modeled this for us. He doesn't force me to do anything. He didn't force any of us to come to church today. He's not forcing us to put anything in the offering plate today. What Jesus does is he leads us and he loves us well. He proved that he was worthy of our life. He was worthy to be followed in his sacrificial love that he gave us in coming and doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So for me, I'll follow that. And I'll submit to that kind of leadership. And that's the model that we should take into our marriages. Marriage helps us make sense of the incredible love that we receive from God. Marriage is a gift. Marriage is about servant leadership. And finally, marriage is a picture of the gospel. Look at verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Right here, Paul is quoting Genesis 2, 24. There is a leaving 
in marriage that is important. And I wish we had another 30 or 40 minutes that we could talk about this concept of creating a a new family. But this leaving, it signifies there's new life, a new commitment, something that is created to stand the test of time. This commitment is, is radical, especially in light of what our culture says we should be about. Commitment is staying the course even when it's not easy. Friends, commitment's not natural. It's something that we have to apply ourselves to. I heard a story this week about a man whose wife had Alzheimer's disease. The wife had forgotten who she was, had forgotten who he was. She had forgotten that she loved him. She had forgotten how to even take care of herself. And so what did that man do? He told her every single day just how much he loved her. He forsook everything in his own life to make sure that she had everything that she needed, that she was taken care of without the slightest hope that there would be any reciprocation of that from this woman. Friends, that is commitment. That is a picture of love. The commitment that we make in marriage, it reflects the commitment that God has made to us in salvation. His commitment to us is an everlasting commitment, not even ending in death. It's a covenantal love. It's a covenantal love, and that is so much deeper than the contractual love that we want to apply to our relationships. In contractual love, there's an agreement that says, hey, uh, I'm going to keep my end of the deal. You keep your end of the deal. And as long as we agree, we'll move forward together. But I'm going to make sure that I've got some off-ramps in the event that you don't hold up your end of the bargain. That's a contractual love. But a covenantal love says, this is where we're going. This is for the long haul, no matter what. There's no off ramps. In fact, I think contractual love is like taking a bus trip to New York. How many stops are you going to make where you have the option to jump off? Covenantal love is saying, we're getting on this airplane and we're going the same place together. There is no way out. That's the kind of love that we have received from our Heavenly Father. He promises to love us no matter what. He promises to keep his end of the deal regardless of what we do, how we act, how we turn and run away from him. Regardless of anything that we could bring to the table. In fact, I think back to uh, the first Lord's Supper. As Jesus is, is teaching the disciples, as he's giving them the sacraments, we go back to Luke 22, and in verse 20, he says, in the same way, he, took, he, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. 
At the first Lord's Supper, Jesus teaches us that the new covenant for all people, it comes through his blood. It comes through his sacrifice. And he repeatedly teaches us that he has come to serve, to love, and to die for the sins of all people. All people. His covenant and his promises are not dependent on you. His covenant doesn't come with an if you're good enough or if you do enough clause. His covenant is signed by him. It is sealed by him. It is delivered by him. So now look at how that affects our marriages. Look back to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Jesus Christ gave himself up for the church, for me and for you. Not because you deserved it, but because he desires that we are holy and blameless. He loves us and he wants what is best for us. So he gave himself to make that a reality. Pastor and author Tim Keller, he he asked this question. He says, what is the gospel? And then he explains. says, Jesus Christ was the perfect spouse. Do you see the spousal love of Jesus? Jesus made us. The Lord created us. Then Genesis says we turned away from him. We went away from him. What did Jesus do then? Did he say, well, you're not being the spouse that that you should be, so I'm not going to be the spouse that I should be? No. He came to earth. He emptied himself. He went to the cross. He gave himself for us. Husbands and wives, look at how Christ loved us and gave himself for us. The ultimate spousal love. He goes on to explain. He says, when Jesus was up there on the cross, looking down at us, being terrible spouses, killing him, betraying him, denying him, and mocking him in one of the greatest acts of spousal love in history, he stayed. He spoke the truth in love to us, and he didn't leave. Love and commitment. This covenant, this is the basis for biblical marriage. Our marriages are covenants without clauses. Our marriages should be marked by sacrificial love and humility. Our marriages should be about sanctification, where husbands and wives are loving and serving each other with the love of Jesus as they grow closer and closer to the Lord, becoming pure and holy and blameless. Whether single, married, divorced, confused, all of us can experience that kind of love from a God who knows us, who knows how messed up we are and chooses us anyway. That's a love that's not a contract with clauses where we can jump out of. That's a covenantal love that's been set in motion 
that is available to you today and it's guaranteed for eternity. For some of you this morning, you need to take a look at the level of humility in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage. Because it starts with submitting first to the Lord and then loving your spouse accordingly. And so as we respond this morning, maybe this is an opportunity for prayer for you. Maybe this is an opportunity for apology. But maybe this is an opportunity to turn the page and to start fresh and to lay a foundation of sacrificial love at the foot of the cross. So we say, Jesus, as I pursue you, I'm gonna love my spouse. I'm gonna submit to my spouse. I'm gonna serve my spouse so that we look more like you and the world knows more of who you are. But there may be some here today as well who you realize that you've been trying to serve, you've been trying to love, you've been trying to lead all on your own and you have never experienced the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus. You've never trusted him. You've never put your life in his hands. Friends, if that's you today, today can be the day of salvation for you when you for the first time experience what true love, a covenantal love really is. Where you say, Jesus, I need you. And he says, it's done. You are mine forever and there are no off ramps. So friends, regardless of how you need to respond this morning, we're gonna have some people available here in just a moment who would be thrilled to talk with you, to answer questions for you and to pray with you about things that are going on in your life. Would you pray with me as we close? Father God, we give you this time. We thank you for creating us. We thank you for giving us the ability to mirror your image. We thank you for the love that you have given us that is not with clauses or exceptions. But God, that you poured out of yourself and you made a way for us to know you, to experience you, to become holy and blameless in your sight when you gave us Jesus. And so Lord, I pray right now that that would be our foundation. That we would not build our foundation on anything but Jesus, whether that be in our relationships, in our marriages, in our home, in our job. Father, we would be marked and changed by the sacrifice that he made. And it's in his powerful name we pray. Amen. Hey, Pastor Ryan Rush here, and I just want to thank you for being with us at Kingsland Online today. What an honor. But I'll tell you what would be even better. We'd love to see you get connected with the physical church in the days ahead, if you haven't already. And that means maybe if you're local in the West Houston area, we'd love to see you at Kingsland. Otherwise, regardless, we'd love to help you facilitate uh, jumping into a local church near you, and we can do that together. You can go to kingsland.org slash online connect. kingsland.org slash online connect to find out next steps on your journey. Listen, thanks again for being with us today at Kingsland Online.